Welcome to Let's Connect. My name is Keith McPherson, and I'm so glad you've decided to join me for this next episode of the podcast. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by a dear friend of mine, Aaron Edgar. He is a world-renowned, world-class drummer, literally plays the drums and is known very well for his work uh, on YouTube as a drum instructor, thought leader in the world of music. So sit back, relax, and let's connect. Hey everyone, Keith here. I hope you're having a wonderful week wherever this finds you. Today on the show, I'm joined by a friend of mine who plays drums in my band, literally. And um, the more I got to know this guy over the years, the more I was just blown away with his story. Aaron Edgar is here. He's uh, a world-renowned drummer, in my opinion. Somebody who is leading edge when it comes to um, diving into an instrument and playing it with what we call effortless mastery. Uh, this guy's story is fascinating. The way his mind works is amazing. Um, there's so much to be said. I originally met Aaron when I was playing in my band Keith and Renee, and he joined us on stage. He played drums, and there's just something about musicians. You just you know when somebody is locked into the present moment, and this guy is all that in a bag of chips, literally. Playing music with Aaron is just such a blessing. And as I've gotten to know him over the years, I've come to find that there is a science behind the way that he shows up when he's behind his drum kit. And so he's going to share a lot today about the secrets of showing up to the present moment in whatever it is that you're being called to do in the world, um, how to show up in the present moment and tap into this place of effortlessness and mastering that place of where it almost feels effortless, yet so much is actually taking place in the effortlessness. I think of... um, this quote from the Tao Te Ching that says, you accomplish more in your life by trying less. And in so many ways, Aaron exemplifies this in the way that he shows up to his work in the world. Um, you may have found him in uh, Modern Drummer magazine. I don't know if anybody reads that here, but um, if you haven't, check that out. And most excitingly, just after we did the podcast, Aaron told me that he was uh, one of the few selected to attend the next launch at NASA's space station. Um, He's going to be at the next launch, the rocket ship launch. He's going to be watching that take place in person and getting a tour of the NASA facilities, something most people in their life would never be able to say that uh, they were able to to do. So um, just to, to let you know, the caliber of this guy and the way that he's living his life is incredible. And so it's just really exciting to have somebody like this on the podcast today. So I invite you to sit back and relax and um, take in the wisdom, the science, the incredible awareness of Aaron Edgar. So the thing that intrigues me the most about what we're about to experience here is um, the mind of a musician and a creator and an artist and being one myself and when they get together and they just like ramble on yeah. creative amazingness. So Aaron, welcome. <laughs> it's great. Thanks. Thanks. I'm, uh, I'm stoked to be here. I, uh, I love chatting with you. So this is going to be really fun. I'm interested to see how this turns out, you know, absolutely. I mean, like you said about being like creative people who make things and express themselves via mediums. Yeah. It's, I don't know. We all have different perspectives on how we do that, where our creative tip, our creativity comes from. Um, that's one of the things I find really, really fascinating too, is just like seeing how other people's creative um, processes work, you know? Totally. Well, I mean, in knowing you <laughs> and the conversations we've had in the past, like creativity seems like a huge driver for you and has been a passion your whole life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious from you, like, have you figured out where your creativity actually comes from? <laughs> Uh, that's something that I've been like actually putting a significant amount of thought into. And I think like at its very core and this, like it took me a lot of steps to even get it down here. Uh It comes down to just understanding things and discovering stuff. So what I mean by that is like, I like to explore like the edges of rhythmic theory at the very least, as far as I understand them. So to me, that's like a, a deeper understanding of just how rhythm works, you know? So going down that rabbit hole, you can get it to a place where it's almost musically inapplicable, but at the Mm -hmm. same time, it's like, there's 
always little like gems within there. There's things that you'll find. It's like, Oh, I've never heard that before. Wow. So things like that usually just like make me completely light up. Like if I hear something that's just like new, especially if I maybe don't necessarily like it at first. And I don't mean that stylistically, like, I mean, I don't like country music and there's just no amount of disliking that that's going to intrigue me, I think. Although, you Unless know. you played in my band for a long time, but <laughs> and we were country for a while. Well, hey, I mean, that, like part of the thing that I liked about freelancing was being able to like spend time with my friends on stage and connect with them in a musical aspect. So whether sure. I like the face value fact of what the music is doing, the fact that I'm actually creating music with people I like, you know? Yeah. 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 But this thing about like what, what I'm getting as you're talking about creativity is that, and I'm sensing is like there's a curiosity about wanting to go down a rabbit hole. It's like yeah. what is possible or what's there. Yeah, that's yeah. what I pick up from you. Yeah, like what's possible is definitely a big one for me. Like uh-huh. how far can I take this idea is a big one for me. Yeah, I think it's the same reason that I really connect with like math and science. Like I love just like understanding like the basic just core fundamentals of reality yeah. so like it expands beyond music for me but at the same time when i'm in a musical mode or creating anything really that's usually where it's coming from it's like okay i understand sort of the playground i'm on here but what are the edges and can i push them yeah and i that's what i absolutely love about you and your mind and how our conversations tend to go is this place of like total curiosity and edge and where is this going and um so as we're talking about it um there's a few things that pop up that I'm really curious about your perspective on. And just to put it in context for the listeners, like Aaron has explored drumming in a way that I don't know if any other drummer on the planet has (laughs) in terms of what you actually are um, leading edge on is like different rhythms that, and exploring different, you explain it better than me. Okay. Well, (laughs) yeah, there's, I'm sure there's other drummers that do like very similar things and maybe you've even stumbled upon a lot of the things that I do. You're very humble. (laughs) I don't don't like to toot my own horn, but I I do write the, like the advanced rhythm theory stuff for like modern drummer magazine and ditto for drumio, which is like the largest drum education thing on the planet. So yeah, my job is basically, I mean, actually this is sort of funny. It's like when I was a kid, it was just like, I would explore this stuff for fun. And somehow I've found myself in a situation where now it's like my job to explore this stuff, which is How cool. so, so well humbling for one thing. It's like, it's great. You know, it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. So as we're talking about that and the going down the rabbit hole, something that I've loved in our conversations in the past has been about this discovery from a book you mentioned early on in our friendship of called effortless mastery oh man that book like changed my life yeah and i'd love to hear just especially for people that are new to this concept how this kind of emerged for you out of the musical world perhaps and then what that actually means effortless mastery and to go down this road a bit okay let's just like let's vibe on this for a while okay yeah let me um let me back that up to before i found the book then okay um so before before I actually read Effortless Mastery, it was one of those things that like many people had recommended to me. Like I, I feel like this has probably been brought up to me a good 10 times before I was actually like, okay, I'm buying this thing, I'm gonna read it, and that's just gonna be that. I wasn't even a reader before this. Like honestly, huh. I probably hadn't read a book outside of high school until I bought Effortless Mastery, and wow. that was like in my mid-30s. Okay. So so it just kept knocking you over the head, so you're like, okay, I'll pay attention. Yeah, lots of people are just <laughs> like, you gotta read this book, you gotta read this book, and it's yeah. just like, I'm like a book words what the hell is that gonna do i'm gonna just i hit stuff i don't care about what somebody's saying that's ridiculous right <laughs> yeah so <laughs> little did i know this is like completely just blown my mind and changed my life at this point but the thing about effortless mastery is is like i was on my way to a gig with a friend like it was an out-of-town gig we were driving it was just the two of us um it was a couple hours to get there it doesn't matter but we were just talking about what was going on in our lives and both of us were running into this place where we were starting to have some let's just say troubles, like mm-hmm. maybe even connecting with the things that we were doing, like whether it was like the gigs or like just like music as a whole, it's just like running into that big old question of just why, you know? And it just like, yeah. I don't know, like it, it gets to a point when you start questioning those things that like, it, it's hard. You start to notice like stresses that are in your life and all these kind of just things that aren't necessarily feeling the best, you know? Sure. So, my buddy starts telling me about how he read this book, Effortless Mastery, and it helped him just relax and actually like 
appreciate what he was doing in a different way. And it kind of like changed his relationship with music. And honestly, from those words, I was like, okay, I'm sold. As soon as I get home, I'm going to order this book and I'm going to read it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And it hit me to a couple of different things. Like first up, that book was like, I think the first place that I ever tried to meditate. And it was like different for me. I, it was as somebody who would like not considered this, aspect of your brain before or like even that it was a landscape that was worth exploring it was just like oh what i'm gonna just close my eyes and not think for a bit that sounds stupid no i'm just (laughs) gonna go hit stuff right yeah that was like literally my mindset for like a good two decades so it was it was difficult for me to even like jump in and turn these pages in the first place but i decided okay this is like seemingly changed my buddy's life a little bit he seems a lot more chill now than i've seen him in a long time so I'm just going to go in with an open mind and no matter what this guy tells me to do in this book, I'm just going to roll with it. Okay. So he opens up when he starts talking about like his experience in music. And some of it seems to like right off the bat kind of parallel my mindset. And that was one of the things that really struck me about this book is that the, the little neurotic things that go on that were going on in my head. And I assume with most artists and almost any discipline, this as much as it's written for musicians, it's like everybody. Basically. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The little things that you think like, oh, I'm probably the only person that's feeling this way. It's just like, huh, okay, well, now he's writing them in like basically the same words I tell that to myself in. So interesting. Wow. So you start getting into this book and you start like seeing him, oh, especially to explain this, like it can't just be about music. Like myself and I'm sure a lot of people felt that like, all right, am music or just like you know my life is music it's nothing but music and music is is all that matters you know or whatever job i am what i do Mm -hmm. essentially yeah Yeah. and the thing is is like if that's all it's about it's it's hard to like find actual i mean it's probably not the right word but like meaning for yourself you know like if if that's the only thing that you're obsessing about like day in and day out a hundred percent of the time it's like it's it's almost going to lack depth when you play and in how, in what it actually means to you in a weird way. So, you know, in getting through this book, it like, he had me meditate. There's like four different meditations in it. And I did them like every day for a very long time. In fact, (laughs) I did one on the drive here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's one of them's only like five minutes long, which is perfect for how close he lives to me now. (laughs) That's great. I love it. Yeah. Can you just on a, I'm going on a tangent a little bit, but what did you do? What was the meditation? Well, he has four guided meditations on a CD that come with this book. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And like, you know, he tells you to close your eyes and stuff, which of course I wasn't doing when I was driving, but Uh like I've lately in my, my practice been like experimenting with open-eyed meditation and trying to bring meditation and mindfulness to like actual everyday life, like experiences, like out and about walking around, like hanging out with friends or whatever it is that I'm doing. I'm trying to bring those sort of levels of mindfulness to my day to day. Right. So I, I use these as a great way to relax because, you know, I mean, he usually starts them off with like, you know, gets you into breathing and starts talking about like just he walks you through the parts of your body and tells you to just relax them specifically. So it's a great way to start it. And then he gets into some like specific visualizations and like affirming to yourself that you are a master. And it seems absurd at first, especially if that's not what you believe about yourself and for most of us who are kind of a little bit neurotic, you won't, you know? So that's yeah. like hard to accept at first. And you almost, I hate the word faith, but like you basically just need to visualize these things and just understand that like, whether it's true right in this moment or not, allowing yourself to not beat yourself up and just like see it as a truth that's not yet realized is very healthy. And I mean, thoughts are basically intangible, right? Like thoughts don't really exist outside of your own head. Like, of course, you can manifest thoughts, like things that you think you can bring into reality. And this is kind of an example of that, where like having these positive thoughts regarding whether it's your playing or whatever it is that you're doing um, can become your reality. But if you're holding yourself back with these negative thoughts, and again, like neurotic stuff that goes on in your head, like, oh, I'm no good, or like for whatever reason you've got like, negative things that sort of pop up when you're practicing it's just like oh man that sucked i'm terrible or like you have a bad gig it's just like oh brutal i just like feel bad about myself because of this sort of thing like 
this is all stuff you can just give up. And if you do, and you start replacing those thoughts with more positive internal dialogue, it eventually becomes your reality. And I'm not saying that like, you know, reading through this book and doing this stuff has changed like my level of playing away. It's not like I'm like, I mean, I play on a very like technical side of things. It's not like I read this book and then all of a sudden I'm Marco Miniman. But (laughs) the thing is, is that being able to accept these positive affirmations for yourself and relax is a huge one. Like basically like, I mean, honestly, if you bring like a meditation mindset to your playing, like, uh-huh. In the same way that you would start meditating, like let's say, I mean, one of the first things that I would do is I would sit on my drum stool, I would close my eyes, and I would just I would listen through these meditations, and I would just like connect with them as fully as I would as if I wasn't sitting in my drum set. One of the things that I noticed is that like some of that neurotic stuff was kind of like being embodied in my area, like right. where I had the drums and mm-hmm. this should be like the coolest place in my life. It should be like, you know, my favorite place to be. And you know, for all intents and purposes, it kind of was, but there still were these like little negative emotions connected with them, you know, of yeah. like self deprecating things that I would tell myself. I mean, whether I'd say them out loud or not, but like things that would go on in my head and I'm sure oh, yeah. most people have these kind of things that just like, you know, you beat yourself up about stupid stuff, shit that doesn't even matter, you know? Absolutely. So, I don't know, like meditating at the drums before I even tried playing them really helped me kind of like relax and let some of that stuff go. And it evolves into literally meditating while you're playing. It becomes like a semi-meditative practice. You end up actually like playing the instrument from this place. And that is something that has changed my playing profoundly. It may not sound totally profound to the listener. Like somebody listening to me play from three years ago to now is like, I probably sound a little less like rigid. And that may be like the only like tangible difference, but it's a massive difference in my headspace. And it's a big difference in how I feel behind the drums. And like, it's kind of cool because this, (laughs) this sounds like, at least from where my head's at with it right now is going to turn into this big tangent of like how it's sort of affected my practicing and stuff. So I don't know if you it's want okay. to go fully down this road. But yeah. I'm curious to hear it. The, yeah. the thing that it did is like when I started taking this like semi meditative practicing to heart, it had me change my perspective on what practicing was. And it also changed my idea of what, um, a level of mastery was like, huh. I used to like, wow. For example, yeah. yeah with like th- my band third Ion, we play super techie stuff. Like it's real out there. It's like it's as wacky as my brain can go. Somehow I've found a group of musicians <laughs> that can deal with me on this level. So really? this is like very real. technical kind of yeah. arrangement yeah. and rhythm and yes. Ex- extreme rhythms in there like stuff huh. that i mean again i hate to my own horn but i have not heard people doing some of the stuff that we do so okay. it's like i'm literally just trying to push my boundaries of what i feel rhythm theory is you know wow yeah. so the thing is is when we would record these things like we were very fast we would like write and record within the same day and that would be literally album takes you know uh-huh. and you know i'd learn them well enough that i could play them live and it was the type of thing where like, yeah, I'd play these songs live, but it took all of me to do it. Like it took a hundred percent of my concentration and they would never like feel comfortable, but I'd get through them. I could play them. I'm sure they sounded fine out front, but like, yeah, it was a struggle for me. Right. It was so, like, so it was like, you're just going for the technical edge of it to get it right. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And yeah. it was one of those things like, it was so hard to even get this stuff to that point that it was like, I just accepted that that was the game, right? Mm. I thought that, like, you know, I'd play these things a thousand times and then they'd get comfortable and sure, like, the level of comfort rises. But I had never practiced in a way where I was specifically looking for an effortless execution while sounding perfect with, like, amazing tone across every single note and every instrument. And it's not from an obsession standpoint. Like, there's a very, very big yet like razor subtle difference between like just trying to practice to like make it perfect to trying to practice in a way where like it's perfect because I'm so relaxed that this is just how I express these notes. It's effortless. Exactly. Yeah. And like, I didn't really understand what that meant the first time I read the book or the second time or the third time I've read that book about 16 times cover to cover. And like every single time I learned something new about it and my understanding gets a little bit deeper, but from this semi-meditative practicing and trying to like release all body tension. Like the thing that I would work on, actually it's funny. Like I, 
I changed how I was practicing because of this book in a way where instead of just practicing a ton of stuff and just like working on like a full set of material where it's like, I got two hours of stuff I'm working on, you know? Yeah. I've basically spent the past two years working on like four bars. Like, really? Yeah. And the thing is, is that I've found levels of comfort and execution in those four bars that I didn't even know was possible. And there has been probably hundreds of times along the way where it's just like, Oh man, I've got it. This is feeling amazing. This is like, I've never felt it like this before. And yet the next week it's somehow even deeper and it's even better. And the thing is, is like, wow. When I see players like Benny Greb or um, let's just use him. He's a perfect example where everything that he plays just sounds perfect. Like there's, you think like, oh, how can a guy play like that? And it's like, the notes sound amazing. The phrasing sounds amazing. His dynamics, his touch, all of it is just like perfect. Yeah. And then you look at his face. He's just like the picture of calm. He's just like, <laughs> he's literally embodying effortless mastery every step of the way. Wow. And it's funny. His most recent DVD is pretty much about that, which is just awesome confirmation that I'm kind of on the right path with this stuff, I think. But amazing. like, the thing that I found is instead of these things feeling rigid, like I'm just trying to get the notes out, yeah. they're starting to feel like Benny. But in a tech metal standpoint, it's weird because like I'm able to, well, I'm starting to be able to bring that level of like, it literally just is an expression of these notes versus I'm trying to play this crazy thing. Yes. And it's, I don't know, it's profoundly different for me. And the coolest thing is like, again, I've been focusing on like, I mean, granted for my job, I have to do lots of things that are weird. So there are times where I have to work on this or work on that or create this or create that. So it's not like I'm only playing these four bars for the past two years. Right. But when I sit down to practice, I'm only playing these four bars. Wow. Like, so it sounds like almost like it becomes a meditation in the practice of playing drums. It is. Where it's four bars, but you're consciously just intentionally effortless mastery. That's it. And deepening into that practice. The thing that I've noticed too is that like not only is it bringing these four bars up to a level that I didn't even think was possible. Yeah. But I'm seeing that seep into everything else that I do as well. Where wow. like... Wow. Because I've connected... Well, I'm, again, I don't want to say this like it's definitive because I'm sure like next week and the week after that, I'll still be doing better <laughs> along that scale. But like it raises your level of acceptance up. Like, oh yeah, because what I used to think was sort of good enough for these songs and like even the other songs in the, in the repertoire and stuff like, and you know, I still have to play those songs and they, they kind of come up as well. Like I do clinics and things like that. So like I still have to have the full level of material in me, you know? Yeah. But now it's the type of thing where even if I play it correctly, I notice body tension. I notice when my mind is shifting. I notice wow. when like thoughts are getting in the way and I can relax and breathe my way through them without specifically having to work on the material to focus that in because I've been spending so much time. It's almost like I'm, it's less about the fact that I'm training these four bars so that I'm training a different level of awareness at the instrument. Oh my gosh. That's like incredible. Yeah. It's, it's just reminding me of like, um, there's with just without even knowing this, there's moments where I'll go like give a, a lecture or a talk and it feels like that sort of peaceful effortlessness. And I'm just like, wow, did that feel good? Yeah. Like there was just, there was something about it where I was not trying. There was no body tension. It was like flowing out of me intuitively. And then there's like a talk like this morning where I'm like in my head and I'm thinking so much and I know I'm aware that I'm like totally tense and I'm like, I can't like get the words out. Yeah. And, and it's like, but it just drop into it. Right. How do you, how do you access it in those moments when you're feeling the tension, you know, it's there yeah. and you want to just relax. What do you do? Like, well, here's the thing. It's, it's simple while being um, almost impossibly hard at the same time. Right. Because yeah. like, uh -huh you almost, you have to practice that change, you know, you have to practice being able to sink into it. And the thing is, is that it can be as quick as a snap of your fingers. It can be a breath that gets you in there. Wow. But at the same uh -huh. time, it's like, if you're in that mode where you're like mentally freaking out a little bit and it's hard and you feel body tension and you're like sweating and it's just like <laughs> yeah. everything about this moment is like <laughs> uncomfortable. Right. It can be really hard to remember how easy it is to just not feel like this. Cause if you think about that, if you really think about what's happening in those moments, you're obsessing over thoughts and you're physically tensing up your body. Like if yes. you relax, tension is hard to do. 
it's hard to tense up if you're fully relaxed. It takes a lot of right? energy to do that, to it, tense up. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're expending that energy by tensing up and focusing on all the stuff that's going on in your head. Like, wow. it, I hate to say it, but you're literally doing it to yourself. And that's like the paradoxical part of it is that like you're a hundred percent doing it to yourself and bringing this upon yourself, but it becomes this like catch 22 self-fulfilling thing that just like amplifies itself. It's like when you hold a microphone in front of a speaker and it feeds back, right? Like that happens with your body tension and your emotions and your headspace, you know, it's like, I don't know. The thing that I find is that, and I'm by far not a master of this, but Mm -hmm being able to just like have something that will trigger that can help. I mean, trigger the inverse of that. I mean, so like if, for example, whenever you meditate, one of the first things that you do is just (sighs) really deep breath. I mean, even there, I feel like more relaxed than the already relaxed state I was in, like finding something that can kind of help with that. Or even just like having a guided meditation you like on your phone. Like I did when I was driving here today, right? Like, Cause I mean, I was, before I came here, I was like freaking out a bunch about a bunch of work stuff. I was in the middle of like two <laughs> video edits and I had like people breathing down my neck about a bunch of stuff. I had to like help people correct and do all this other stuff. And it's just like, my mind was fluttering in a thousand different directions. So I like get my coat on, I start the van and all that kind of stuff. And when I finally get into it, I like plugged your address into my phone. And then it was just like, okay, okay. Meditation number four, breathe. <laughs> now back out of the driveway. You got this buddy. Just yeah. chill. You're fine. Right. So having something where like, I mean, even just like prefacing one of those moments with, it doesn't even need to be a guided meditation. Like, I mean, if anything, you taught me how to meditate better. Like, I feel like if you just (laughs) took a few moments to yourself and just were like, okay, this is hard. And there's a lot of people here and I'm not really sure of myself right now, but I'm just going to go out there and be myself and just remind yourself, like affirm that that's what you're there to do anyway. Yeah. That might be all the difference you need. You know? Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. There's like, there's no like specific, like do this and this will fix your problem. It's, yeah, it's different in every moment, even for the same person, you know, like something that works for me today may not work for me in two weeks. You have to be, you have to be able to move with whatever you're feeling inside right. to connect to that kind of stuff. Cause if you expect, actually that's one thing wow. that he addresses in effortless mastery that I didn't get the first bazillion times. In fact, <laughs> I think I'm clarifying it to myself as I'm spitting these words out. This is great. Yeah. Where it's like, you can't just expect it to work this way. Like for example, let's say you really have a great practice one day and like you've connected and you've like really given yourself to just letting go and relaxing and trying to connect to that semi-meditative practice. If the next time you go down to your drum kit or whatever your instrument is, you, it's easy to forget how much of you it took to get there. So it's like next time you sit down at the kit, you're like, okay, I nailed this yesterday. Let's do this. You're already in a way different mindset and it's going to be a lot harder to connect to it because you're like quite, focused exactly into this yeah almost attached place yeah i remember in one of like there was a yoga class i did um that the teacher described the difference in attention instead of being like focused and like determined to do this posture you were more just transfixed on the thing that you were doing was like a huge thing for me like just the the change in those words and in the change in how the intention is is a big part of it. Right. So in any given moment, like let's say for example, day two, when you walk down to the drum set and you're more like focused and in your head like that, you have to find a way for yourself to reconnect with what it was that got you there the day before. And you can't even think about there as like specifically, this is a place I'm trying to get. No, you have to be like, okay, today is a new day. I need to relax into this thing that I'm doing. If my head's spinning about this, or if I'm like frantic about it for one reason or another, or I'm thinking about work or I'm thinking about any of that stuff, you literally just won't get there. Like you will think your way out of what you're trying to do. Wow. So there's like, as you're saying that I'm thinking about the power of presence too, Mm. like the actual moment that you're in and then letting yourself relax into what that is Yeah. with no expectation. That's, yeah, exactly. If you have expectations, I mean, that itself is a thought. That uh-huh. itself is like consciousness training itself in on something that I want. It's a goal. It's something you're trying to do. Yeah. It's, it almost seems paradoxical in, that's in a different sense where it's like you have to come at this without goals. You have to come at this just accepting today to be how today is. Wow. And Isn't that amazing? the more that you like try and focus it in one way or another, the harder it is to sort of like 
get to it, you know? Yeah. And yet it feels like for my entire life, like I've been programmed to have this mindset of like, I need to get somewhere. Like I need to get this right or I need to accomplish or achieve or acquire or, yeah, you know, become. And so it's what's interesting to me. And we were talking about this before the podcast, but I'd like to bring it in. I, I agree. I feel I love where you're going with this right now. Yeah. is like we I think we both synergistically have like deepened into more living this effortless mastery to the point where uh, we were both recently like in L.A., but we've we've had these experiences lately where without even trying to get anywhere. Like there's like absolutely no agenda. Like it, yeah. it's like we you let that go. It's like the right people just all of a sudden drop in to who you needed or the right opportunity or the, the insight. And it was, it wasn't predetermined. It was like, it just happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I do. I think like the more, yeah, it's, it's almost tough to quantify, which I know is like, it it's is one of the reasons that like, these sort of like levels of mindfulness are hard to even like write about or speak about is that the it's it's almost more of a feeling type thing where i don't know like the more you're you're focused on something or like trying to achieve a goal it's not like there's anything wrong with having goals or things that you want but like i don't know the more that that's like your mindset of the moment the less you're able to just fully immerse with the experience of what's happening Because like, if, I mean, let's just sort of like back it slightly off topic, but still working towards the same thing a little bit where if there's like a thought or an intention or something that's going on in your head, your consciousness is open. Your consciousness isn't part of that. Your consciousness is just experiencing what's happening. But the thing about consciousness is that it can narrow itself onto something and when it narrows itself onto something regardless of what that is whether that's like oh my leg hurts or this person's saying this thing or there's a sound i don't like or Uh a thing i want to do all of that is narrowing your field of consciousness from a place where again if you just accept that that is the thing that's happening i mean thoughts are going to just happen these intentions are going to be there whether you're fixated on them or not right but it's that fixation that makes it I shouldn't say impossible, but like drastically harder to fully connect with the moment. And when you can connect with the moment and actually like really be fully present, that's when you can ride these moments. Like you were saying, like people seem to sort of like show up almost like they were meant to be there. I feel like it isn't maybe so much that they were meant to be there or that they were meant to meet you in particular, but I feel when you're fully open and just present in an experience, you can bring meaning to an experience. Mm. Something can have meaning if you're able to be present enough to see it for what it is. Oh, wow. You know? So that reminds me of Dan Millman, the author, and oh, he had a yeah. book He had a book called There Are No Ordinary Moments. I have not read that one, but I've read a ton of Millman. I'm like, yeah. everybody writing that <laughs> Write down. that down. It's like, yeah, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior was the first one, and then I think it was maybe a sequel to that, but it's um, that idea of like, there's no ordinary moment when you're present. Like there's no such thing as like, or maybe mundane is just actually really exciting (laughs) at that moment, right? You're like, this is profound. This is without attaching or expectation. I'm just allowing this moment to be. And I'm like backing away from the attachment of expectation of it needing to be a certain way. Absolutely. And when I experience that, it's like, there's a, it almost feels like true perfection, not forced perfection or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely feel you on that. Like, uh-huh. like you said, like even a mundane type of thing, like when you're trying to like back out from being absorbed in a, a thought or an intention or a like, Oh, what's going on in your fireplace there? Yeah. Like, when you can just accept a moment, I shouldn't even say accept, but like just be fully open and present in a moment. There is like wonder in everything. Like if you think about like when a child experiences something like for the first time or sees a ladybug or something like that, they're just fascinated (laughs) with it. Right. Yeah. But as an adult, you see a ladybug, you're like, Oh, Cool. It's a bug. And I love bugs. Don't get me wrong. But you at the same do time, love bugs. Like, I know oh, that. I do. <laughs> yeah. Caterpillars. And yeah, yeah, I've man. seen those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> but like those ordinary moments can be extraordinary if you allow them to be, you know, even if there's like nothing particularly extraordinary about them, there still is. You yeah. Know? You used an analogy recently <clears throat> about looking through the window 
and seeing your reflection and where to place your focus in relation somewhat to this. Yeah. Can you explain that again to the people listening? Because this is like freaking awesome, this analogy you used. <laughs> okay. I, I loved it. If you can get back to that place. I'll try to not trip over myself while I'm doing it. But it's like it's okay. there are certain things that are like they're so on the surface that they're hard to even see. Yeah. You know? So it's like like exactly what I was just saying, like the, an experience with the lady, it's a stupid example, but like yeah. the type of thing where it's like, it could just seem like nothing, but at the same time it can be really, really not necessarily profound, but it can still be like a very, like a vivid experience Yeah. versus just, Oh, I walked past the ladybug. Can yeah. You, I don't know. Like I equate that to like when you're looking through a window. So if you're looking through a window, like, a lot of the time we'll be just like, Oh, look at all that cool stuff on the other side of the window. Like, ah, that tree looks pretty dope. There's a squirrel doing some funny thing over there. Squirrels are pretty great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But if you're trying to explain to somebody that like you can see themselves in a mirror or in the window, kind of like a mirror, but they've never experienced this and they're too busy being like distracted by all the other stuff on the outside of it. It's almost impossible for them to really see it. And I think like experience is like this in a way where there is a level of just, like openness in experience when you kind of back out from being fully immersed in something like being fully immersed in what the squirrel's doing. Like, Mm. I don't know. It's really hard to sort of Mm. wrap my tongue around it. No, I'm no, I like it. I like where you're headed with this though, because it's like, and it's not, I want to clarify as you're talking about like to back away from it. Um, isn't necessarily like to dissociate with it, but it's like to see more objectively. Mm hmm everything that's going on as opposed to being attached and where this becomes helpful is when we get obsessed into an attachment where it's like pulling us out of the bigger picture or choosing a different perspective perhaps, or, you know, it's like it almost has us as opposed to us having it. That's, that's a really good way to put it. Like when you become like fixated on something or like even just like your attention is grabbed by something, it almost becomes your existence in a way. And I know that seems absurd just at face value of those words, but like, like for example, if you're watching a movie, you know, like you're in a movie, you're in a movie theater, you're sitting, you're probably surrounded by a hundred people and you're just like immersed in this screen in a point where like you forget that you're sitting in a movie theater. Yeah. You see like you connect with the people on the screen. You kind of understand what they're feeling in any given moment. You kind of like you, I don't know, you you take, you can embody those feelings, you know, but then like there can be any number of things that snap you out of that. And in the same way to the window analogy, like when you snap out of that, you see it for what it is. It's light projected on a screen and you're surrounded by hundreds of people in a dark room who are all also experiencing this. And most of them are probably completely immersed in that screen, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But reality is like that. Like we can get completely immersed in an experience and not realize that we can back out of it in the same way that we can disconnect from the full immersion in a movie. Yeah, absolutely. And this becomes, I feel really helpful. Like, um, I feel like I'm in a phase right now in my career where this is happening more and I'm seeing the bigger picture of what's been driving me in terms of why I've been doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And so it's a really, really interesting place to be right now. Yeah. Because I'm sort of, just to put it in a bit of perspective, and I'd love for you to chat about it. It's like, um, I'm realizing that some of the reasons why I was doing what I was doing, which started in music and became wellness, was things like, I need to be known. Like there was a drive there and I became obsessed with like, I just, I need to get book sales or I need to like get CD sales at the time or, you know, or I need to, I need, I need to be seen and I need to have more followers on the Instagram. And so all of a sudden it's like, I become almost entranced with this needing to get something. And all of a sudden what fades out of it is it's like, I lose perspective because I'm so obsessed that I'm actually not, um, or I feel like at least I'm not living authentically anymore. I'm kind of like being dictated by this one obsession of like, I got to get there. Yeah. And so I'm seeing this on a deeper level and I'm wondering like your experience of that and, and how to navigate through that when that comes up. Totally. Like that's, yeah, yeah, see, that's an interesting one. And I can definitely (laughs) relate to the same types of feelings, even if the semantics are a little bit different, but you can be really driven by certain things. And again, to bring it back to sort of the movie analogy, if you're like really 
immersed in that experience and just accepting the fact that you're driven to do this thing and you just sort of roll with it like yeah. time after time again. Yeah. The more you start seeing life from this perspective that you can back out from that full immersion, that's when you can start really kind of like listening inside, you know? Yeah. You'll notice different things when that happens. Like mm-hmm. let's say you're really driven to like get more book sales or do sort of whatever this is. It's like why? You know, and I mean that why, I mean, sure. It sounds like everybody's going to ask why, but like, no, really like why, you know, and you'll find that at the very least I find it's not always a hundred percent positive, you know, like there's, there's like a spectrum of reasons why we do anything. And if (laughs) we don't pay attention to them, we'll just be driven by the strongest ones. And like a lot of the time that's just like, Oh, because we want things. We want to like get things. It's usually pretty superficial, but it kind of plays on our limiting beliefs too. I find. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I don't feel good enough. So I need to be famous or I, Mm -hmm. I don't feel lovable. So I need to be seen and, you know, dude, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I can completely relate to those. Like you, you almost feel, especially after you start achieving things and start like doing things that maybe are a little bit extraordinary or like, extraordinary compared to what you thought you were capable of in the first place. When you start putting those things on, let's just say resume for lack of a better word. But when you start having those experiences, you feel driven to continue doing them. And like, I feel like there's, there can be some real gross undertones to that. You know, like, like you were saying, like you can almost feel like, well, if I don't keep achieving this type of thing, I feel worthless or like any variety of kind of like negative things can be driving these in the background. You so, know? so subtly though. Totally. Like, totally. It's, it's not like, yeah, it's so seductive. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. it seems like bling on the surface. So you're like, Oh, I'm just going for this great thing. But yeah, those kind of, yeah. 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 Well, that's uh-huh. the thing is like, there's not, at face value, anything negative about trying to achieve these things. In fact, if anything, of course, achieving stuff is great. Like there's, fantastic, there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. That's like, you want to be driven. You don't want to just like, you know, get Zen enough that you don't care anymore. It's just like, Oh, I'm just cool. with just right. chilling, right. <laughs> but I mean, cause, but if you don't address these things, if you don't start thinking about them and like understanding like your actual reasons why you're doing stuff. And if, actually, I think one thing that I run into at the very least is kind of like where I'm at with my headspace right now is that like, now that I'm starting to, see that more full picture of like the spectrum of why Mm -hmm. it almost pulls from my drive in a way, not necessarily like diminishing it. Although I guess, you know, honestly, if I'm just being blunt, yes, it does a little bit. I've had the same experience with this. Yeah. Cause like, I find like the more you question this stuff, the more you sort of like think like, okay, well, why am I doing this? Like, what is my actual like intention or intention? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, it almost feels less important. And of course, sure it is. There's a lot of like, let's just say, I mean, achievement is superficial to some degree, you know, like, yeah. So when you accept that, or at the very least start thinking that it's hard to stay driven in the same ways, right? You almost have to like really dig into that spectrum at that point and see it for what it is and find let it can't be so much about the achievement itself. And I think that's the place where it's easiest to get hung up. It can be like, oh, I want to get more book sales or I want to make $100,000 this year or whatever it is. It's like, okay, yeah, that's great and everything. But like, why did we start doing any of the things that we're doing? Like, why did you start writing? Why did you start playing music? Why did you start into wellness? Like, you did it because you love it for some reason or other. Like, whether passion. Yeah, yeah. And even if some of those, those undertones were still there, the fact of the matter is, is that we love doing this thing. And when we start getting too focused on achievement or the superficial aspects of things that we can kind of get from it, yeah, I think it enhances those like negative undertones of the spectrum. Right. And it's harder to kind of like stay on with. So like, yes, the thing that I'm finding is like, you have to almost re fall in love with the process in a way. Like mm. it has to be more about, I mean, I feel like I'm wording this in kind of a gross way, but like it has to be more about just the sheer experience of doing it. And if rad things happen because of it, well, rad. Yeah. You know, cause like you can set yourself up in a way where like rad things are going to come of it because it becomes like your job or your business. I mean, both of us do this for a living. Yeah. So it's like, 
yeah, it can be real easy to fall into the darker side of that because when you do it for a living, you sort of have to. I mean, like you well, have to achieve things to pay the bills, right? Totally. But if that becomes what it's about, then it can be real easy to just lose that drive because it becomes gross. Yeah. It becomes almost like it sits in that gross territory more than it sits in the I'm doing it because I love it territory. Right. And that can be like hard to wrap your head around when you start feeling those things, especially if like, I mean, Mm. I guess bringing it back to the start of like why we even started talking about effortless mastery is like when I first got into that book, it's because I was feeling gross things about music and it like, I didn't know how to take it. I was like uncomfortable with the fact that I didn't like things that I was doing. It felt very not okay to me to be having negative feelings about playing music, even though I knew I was like, I mean, playing in bands I didn't care about or like doing things that I was only doing because this will look good on my resume. And it's like, at the end of the day, I am playing music and I'm like playing with my friends on stage. And that's what I was telling myself. But it was hard for me to even consider the fact that there were negative undertones at all. Yeah. 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 It almost feels like it it just kind of brain, like not brainwashed, but it's like you're seduced. You're seduced. You're like, Mm. I don't realize this is operating, but something feels off. Yeah. Like it's, you're, you're blinded to it in a way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking about, as you're saying that, I mean, similar experience. I, um, I just recently, as some of you guys listening know too, I just put out a course and there was a subtle undertone as I was getting that course done that I didn't even notice until after I pushed launch where there was a part of me that's like, oh my gosh, I'm investing all this money into creating this course, like upfront bootstrapping it on my own yeah. money. And oh crap, like I need to make sales. So all of a sudden what was happening in the early launch of this was, if I was brutally honest here, was like, I need to make sales to recoup this money or else I'm going to not be able to pay my bills at the end of the month. So I noticed that like everything that I was posting, like Instagram, the way I was talking about it, my intention behind it was coming from a place of almost, I would almost call it like fear or a desperation and it's very vulnerable to say no, this. No, dude, absolutely. But, but I think it's very common that we don't even realize that pattern's running. Like, I didn't know that consciously. But then all of a sudden, I had this moment where I, I just, like, noticed it. There's some, there was something that was feeling off about it. I was like, this just, just doesn't feel right. Like, I feel like there's something, like, you're, I forget the words you use, but it's just, it just feels kind of gross. I yeah. think the word. And so I pushed the pause button and realized that this is happening. And so... I've slowed it down and it, it almost feels like, why am I trying to get somewhere to make this back? Well, it's, it's being, it's based on this sort of ego kind of place or this like fear-based place of like, there's not enough. You're not going to, and what's the risk if there's not enough? And all of a sudden it's like, well, then you might not be able to pay your bills. And if you're not, then you're worthless. And it's like a, a limiting belief. Yeah. So it's like this return back to, well, why am I doing this in the first place? And I guess what I've come to is this realization that it's like, well, why am I offering a course on mindfulness? Well, it's exactly to practice what I'm talking about. (laughs) And it's like, it's like amazing how it's like full circle. Yeah. So like even in the relaunch of this program that I'm planning to do, I want it to come from that place. And it's like, I don't really have necessarily a goal in mind about how many of these courses I sell or how many people sign up or how much money it's going to make. It's more about, I guess for me right now, it's like this place of letting go of all of that and showing up and being in the experience of whoever is going to sign up or however it's going to present itself. I'm going to be present and and I'm going to appreciate it. And uh, it reminds me of this guy, Travis, that was on the show recently talking about going up this mountain every day. And at the end of, a year of this goal of going up and down a mountain every day, he gets to the top and he's like, I don't feel satisfied up here. What's going on? And he missed out on all of those experiences along the way. So what you're talking about is, uh, is this idea of like totally being, present in the moment anyway i'm going on a tangent on my end here but that's no, no absolutely that's what this is reminding me of i i hear you on that and even just to like to add to the same point i think like i can relate to the idea of like doing a launch and thinking like okay i need to like sell a bunch of this or i need to get a bunch of people into this or we need to get like a ton of likes on this or <laughs> yeah. whatever it is that you're trying to achieve with it yeah i think in those moments we're losing sight of why we did it in the first place Yeah. Because like if 
like even for example, if we take like the same kind of idea we were talking about a little earlier and just like breathe your way into it, sort of like detach from what our consciousness is kind of like grasping onto here of like, Oh, I need to make sales or I need to do this and think like, okay, I'm launching a mindfulness course. My whole intention here is to help people in their mindset, help them navigate their minds in a healthy way. Right. And if, you just take a moment before making those posts and really like deeply connect with that. I think the, the change would be unbelievably subtle. Like the difference in how the post would come across would barely be noticeable, but at the same time, it would be more honest in a way that I think would do vastly superior than the alternative where your intention was to do better. Yeah. It's weird. It's counterintuitive, but I think it at the same time, it's like that honesty just has to be present, you know? And the more we like allow our inner sort of negativity is the wrong word, but like our, our inner like fears and anxieties to sort of take over our reasoning, the less we can genuinely bring that honesty to the table. Yes. And that honesty is like, I mean, uh, on, just flat out, it's probably the only thing that really matters. I agree. And I, I'm, sent, I'm just getting this intuition, and I think we talked about this earlier before the podcast, but to reiterate this, I feel like we're in a time in the world, and especially online, where you and I both spend quite a bit of time. It's like you can feel that the people that are just saying the words and are being driven by the place of got to get somewheres, <laughs> they... um there's, there's not a resonance. It's, it's like, it's not as effective. There's like a lack of quality, even if it was like a million dollar produced video, if, if they're speaking from a place of inauthenticity Mm. and sort of that place of like, yeah, just saying what they think people want to hear or they're like, their drive is that I, I sense it. It's people can read through it and we need people to stand up in leadership to a place of like, no, I'm standing for this because I, this is where passion's coming from. And it's like, I just want to like be honest and vulnerable and true yeah. truth. Yeah. Actual resonant truth. Absolutely. And I think like, I mean, we're all guilty uh, of it to some degree, you know, I'm sure there's yeah, some, we are. a few enlightened people out there that maybe, you know, can withstand all this completely, but I don't <laughs> think that's the majority of us. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know if I, if I really, really think about it all and I'm very, very, very much mean that word all of the coolest things that have ever happened in my life career wise or otherwise have come from moments where I was being just completely honest. Yeah. Anytime where I was like just doing something for the resume or doing something because I thought this is what people wanted of me never worked as well. Even if it worked a little bit, it never led to anything meaningful. It never like, I guess here's the real metric. It never felt right inside, you know, like it would be the type of thing where like there would be, I mean, even if you're fully immersed in that thing that you're doing, kind of a little gross undertone that like maybe just sort of breezes by in the moment, but it's still there and you'll definitely feel it after. And if you really sort of like look for it, oh, it's really there, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I think it's again, a subtle, but massive difference. Yeah. That is so important. That inner metric, the feeling Mm -hmm. that resonant feeling. And I think that when we're talking about mindfulness and meditation and effortless mastery, it's like the importance of uh, going in and listening for that barometer of where, where is this f- on a feeling level, an intuitive feeling level? Yeah. And what's of the highest versus all of the other options that could be <laughs> steering this ship right now? Yeah, and absolutely. I, I think a discernment, that word. Yeah, like totally. Yeah. And I think there's like a, wow. like huh. we were saying, I don't remember if it was on the podcast or before, but <laughs> there was a, uh, a spectrum to how things feel like something can feel good, but still have negative undertones, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's almost like a game of like trying to find, cause I don't know if it's necessarily possible or even realistic to find something that's like a hundred percent good. Right. There's always going to be a spectrum. There's always going to be circumstance where it's like, maybe I could have done this better. Maybe I could have done this differently. Mm-hmm. Um, even questioning it itself may just be part of that negative spectrum. But like, I don't know. I think the more you're, in tune with that and just try to find the version of whatever it is you're trying to do or experience that feels closest to a hundred percent good, you're probably going to be okay. Yeah. 
I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Holy man. <laughs> this is amazing. I was just thinking one last analogy that popped in was um, that sort of light, dark, good, bad. There's going to be, you know, spectrums of all of that along the way. Um, that I recently read somewhere that if it was all like painting white or writing white chalk on a white board, you wouldn't know the difference. So that's why there is dark and light. You need a contrast. So that you can see the contrast and then learn how to navigate into the place of moving towards purpose or light or towards what feels good. Yeah, yeah. Genuinely, truthfully. Yeah, totally. And like, there's probably lots of good stuff within like the darker side of that contrast too. Like, yeah, you know, like, I mean, for example, like some of the things that let's say I would have done when I was younger that were like, just for the resume, so to speak, you know, it's like right. good came from those things, whether I specifically connected with them or not, you know? So sure. it's like, I think we can't fully discount the negative, uh, negative is a bad word. Undertones. For yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like they're, they're important in their own way. You know, we kind of need both in a certain sense. There's a good point there. Like there's gifts and even that, mm -hmm. like that, that are really like your, your drive or, <laughs> you know, my drive trying to get somewhere at some level, there was a gift in it Yeah. to move the ball forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, this <laughs> was definitely a pre podcast talk, but like in drive, there's like, there's definitely attributes of drive that can be negative and they may not outwardly manifest negatively. It may be the type of thing where it's just like, there's an internal gross reason I'm doing this thing, but it's actually everything about it's actually good. But that internal sort of like negativity can actually be something that requires addressing, you know? Yeah. So at the same time, like along that dark spectrum, there's like playing in that field responsibly is, can be beneficial. Let's just uh, put it that way. I love that. That's <laughs> almost like part of the purpose is to possibly is to play responsibly. Like to, yeah, to yeah. be honest, to be authentic. True. Yeah. Being able to like, toe that line and just like find your place in that spectrum you know yeah and to like be okay with when you fall off of it or whatever and then you course correct it it's like this constant dance of that totally and i mean like you, you just like i mean to quote kenny from effortless mastery like you just you have to be kind to yourself you know like yeah if you fall off I mean, we're all going to beat ourselves up a little bit. I mean, there's going to be a little bit of like a, you know, an undertone in the back of your head or a little voice. It's like, ah, you idiot. Why did you yeah. do that? You know, like, yeah. I feel like it would take a quite enlightened person to completely transcend that. But yeah. you can't, I can't say the wrong word, but like you sh beating yourself up over these type of things and like getting down upon it doesn't do anybody any good if anything no. it just brings you down more and makes it harder to get back into the positive you know yeah more tension yeah totally. so so solution or practice <laughs> is just to be in the effortless mastery yeah and remember exactly like, possibly <laughs> possibly yeah just relax and try and connect and listen inside and <laughs> yeah yeah i love it i love the journey of this all um okay well we've definitely gone we've, we're deep in the podcast here <laughs> but it's like amazing talking to you and uh it's a real gift that we've connected over the years and then this has evolved and those of you that don't when we're neighbors like it's so cool that yeah it's, like, it's ridiculous how close we live now it's kind of great fantastic to have a neighbor and fellow musician that is able to talk in this way. I, um, I'd love to connect people listening here to your work. Where can people, uh, connect with music insights? Where, where are you at? There's a, yeah, there's a bunch of places you can find me. Um, the place I'm probably most active is on my Instagram account. Kind of just like everything I do gets sort of filtered in there in one way or another with little clips and stuff. But, um, I have a band third ion, which is weird techie prog metal stuff. Cool. We're <laughs> halfway through a third album. Um, and uh, I write for Modern Drummer Magazine. I write kind of like their weird, well, the weird techie prog stuff. So <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Same thing with uh, Drumeo. Um, and actually, I've been working with uh, one of the collectives affiliates out in China. So I've been doing some clinic work over there and some uh, some video work. And I'm working on another book with them. I actually, yeah, I'm on to my third book. And my first book, I just realized, came out 10 years ago in April. So it's like I'm almost author for a decade that's wow crazy that's amazing man it doesn't feel like a decade <laughs> yeah it's i like, know it's yeah a flash isn't yeah. it <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Well, I highly recommend you guys follow Aaron online and keep up with what he's doing. Even if you're not a musician and you're just like wanting to have your mind blown creatively, just watch what this guy does with like his green screen effects. I don't, shouldn't have revealed that or not, but it's just oh, amazing. Oh, that's fine. This is a, there's an aspect of that I'm not talking about yet, but there's a, yeah, I, I, just there's, all of it. there it's are videos where I like make myself a ghost or do all sorts of silly things. In, I know, it's fun. In Rhythms from Another Planet, I play five characters that are frequently on screen together. It's strange. <laughs> I love it. I love how these creative ideas just drop into your consciousness and you're just right at that creative edge, pushing it fully to the, the greatest places ever. It's cool. Yeah. As soon as I have an idea that like just makes me laugh enough, I roll with it. I like that. That's a good barometer right there. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for yeah. taking well, the time. Thanks for having me. It's always I, great chatting with you, man. Yeah, I'm really excited to read your your version of Effortless Mastery when it gets written. I, uh, I've i definitely been rolling that idea around in my head. Like, I mean, all the books I've written so far have been, like, musical instruction books, but I feel like I'm probably going to write, like, real books, yeah. too. Oh, well, yeah. Well, they all are. But, I'm yeah, that's going to be good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay, man. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, man. Yeah, thank you. All right. Well, I don't know about you, but sitting with Aaron, my mind just is cracked open to a new level of how to show up in the world and how to be in that state of awe. I hope that inspired you just as much as me. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Be sure to stay in touch. Send me your ideas for guests for the podcast. And most importantly, have a wonderful week ahead. Thanks, everyone.